When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we talk some OU football by discussing the reaction to OU Nebraska being set for an 11 a.m. kickoff. People are pissed. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss the win totals that have been released for the Big 12 football teams, and we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, May 31st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming, thrills, and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in June from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Summer Vacation promotion. That's a lot of money. $80,000. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now, we're recording this Monday morning, which is different for us. Said normally we go Sunday night, but we we needed a recovery day. That's that's basically what happened, right? I mean, we both both had long weekends and needed a few extra hours to uh, get our wits about us. Yeah, it, it was a, as we know, a long weekend. And, you know, the older you get, the more recovery you need, Gabe. And it's the key. Recovery is key to moving forward. It indeed is key, especially <laughs> when your sister-in-law gets married and there's a Thursday night event and then a Friday night rehearsal dinner and welcome party. And then Saturday all the groomsmen get ready at your house. So it's an all day affair. And then there's the wedding, which was fantastic. And congratulations to Liza and Mitch it was a beautiful wedding, but I woke up on Sunday and felt like I had just played a college football game. 
<laughs> like that's that's I was beat up, bro. Everything was sore from the dance floor. I was like, oh, and yeah, we 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 decided we uh, Monday recording sounded good. That's good. I you know um, I found that my body adapts quickly, and it got less painful as the week gone on. It's like I got into shape. I I got accustomed to the beat down and. By by Sunday, it was like maybe I was just accustomed to feeling horrible. Maybe that's what it was, because it was um, it was brutal early on, pounding headache. But by Sunday, I was actually okay. But I'm glad we pushed it off a day. Yeah, and happy Memorial Day to everyone. And clearly, this this weekend is not just about getting an extra day. Right, it's not just about getting the long weekend. That is nice, but of course, it is about honoring the men and women that sacrificed their lives for this country. And we we never forget you guys. And it is I, I know it's a it's a very fun day for a lot of people, right? Memorial Day. You're getting together with family, you're you're cooking out, you're eating, you're having a good time, you're drinking some cold beverages, but for a lot of people, it is a very somber and it's a hard day. It's a tough day for uh, people that have lost loved ones that have been, you know, serving. So we we're, we're thinking of all you guys. Uh, we appreciate everyone that has uh, laid down their life for this country, so that we can hop on this podcast and talk about stupid stuff, Ted. I mean, it's it's something we should honor uh, those men and women every day, but especially with Memorial day, it's important to remember all those people that have paid the ultimate sacrifice for this country. Yep. And just do a little bit of uh, research today and read a little bit. There's tons of stories that float around out there on, on days like this. There's um, there's, there's a lot to be learned about some of the things in the past and what's gone on. And, and there's a ton of information out there today and it's, it's nice to do a read through of some of that stuff. Yeah, there's no doubt. Okay, let's get to the OU football stuff. And there's there's really only one thing anybody's talking about, and that is OU Nebraska. OU Nebraska has been set for an 11 a.m. kickoff on September 18th. It will be Fox's big noon kickoff game with the pregame show with Reggie Bush and Brady Quinn and Matt Leinart and Bob Stoops taking place in nor in norman and it sounds like a big deal right this is fox's feature game they are going to give the program a ton of exposure and people are pissed daddy they are not happy about it joe castiglione puts out a statement saying they were bitterly disappointed that fox ended up putting the game in that time slot we knew this was coming, right? Uh, We knew it was coming when ESPN announced their things and OU Nebraska wasn't on there. We, we knew this was a strong possibility. Were you surprised by the strong reaction when it, it felt like people knew it was coming? Yeah. I think whenever, I think there's gotta be a, like, like from, from Joe C it's a, it's a tough situation to be in. Because you know how big of a deal it is, know how big of a day the the 
the football team was was trying to make it for recruiting and a bunch of other other stuff going on. So you do have to push back on your TV partner as much as you can. In the grand scheme of things, I don't know that there's anything you can do, but in order to to show that you're with the fans and you're not just um, taking the biggest paycheck and not doesn't even matter when the kick is. It is nice to put a statement out and let everyone know that, hey, we're fighting for this. We were fighting to, to get a later kickoff time. There's a lot of stuff that we were wanting to do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I was a little bit shocked by how upset they were. I think <laughs> – in a weird way, I think Josie's statement kind of fueled the anger. Like, oh, it definitely did. Yeah, like, well, we were even asking for it, and Josie and those, those guys were fighting for it, and they still put us at 11, and that kind of fueled the fire a little bit. So it's tough because you got to understand it from, from Fox's standpoint. You know, it's we if they've got to put big games in big windows to make money, and, you know, that's what the partnership is about. And we want to make as much money as possible, too. So it's just a tough situation. I don't know, man. I, To be honest with you, I don't know enough about how all of that stuff works and how they draft games and, and where they put stuff to know if there there's a legitimate way out of the thing. But when you go and look at that schedule for that week, it's there's really no other option for them to put a big noon game. This is the only one. Yeah. And clearly from Fox's perspective, it makes a ton of sense to put OU on at 11 a.m., right? OU's a big draw. A lot of people are going to watch when OU's on, and that time slot is less competitive. I mean, it just is. You, you, you can go through which time slots Fox has done well, and when they're stacked up against CBS – in the SEC game in that 230 slot or the primetime stuff for ABC, like they haven't done particularly well. And they look at that 11 a.m. slot like, okay, we can dominate that slot. And that's where they've seen the most success. So it, it makes complete sense. But one, one interesting perspective from this whole thing is the fact that a lot of schools schedule big time non-conference games because it's good for the school, right? It's good for OU to schedule Nebraska and we'll get to why it's historically significant, but it's good to schedule marquee non-conference games because it makes the players happy. It makes the fans happy, but also it makes your TV partners really, really happy when you schedule those types of games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Because that gives them more good games to put on their network. So you schedule those games hoping that your TV partner will work with you, right? Like, hey, we're going to schedule these games and they'll be in your inventory 
and hopefully you'll take care of us when it comes to the kickoff time every once in a while. I think the problem for OU fans and for Joe Castiglione, the leadership there at OU, is that it doesn't feel like they're getting the for every you know every once in a while primetime kickoff. It feels like that they are just locked in to 11 a.m. Yeah. for some of these big ones, and I think that's really frustrating for him, Ted. It is. Um, it, it's it's really frustrating, and I would say that this isn't Fox's fault. I would say that this is the Big 12's fault. You know, the the less competitive the conference has become, the less, um, you know, OU's obviously stayed competitive and been there in the semifinals, but no one else has. You have one team that's won the, the conference six years straight. That's good for OU. It's not good for people wanting to tune in and watch the Big 12. It's just not. That's why the SEC is dominating all the, you know, the, uh, the not this, not just the standings, but the TV ratings. People want to watch because there's good games. There's multiple good teams playing one another a lot, and that's what people want to watch. If you want to be competitive in some of those other big windows, you've got to have more teams that are ranked in the top ten. I mean. We've got the the OU Iowa State game at the end of the year is probably going to be a top ten matchup. It's probably going to be a primetime game. If you want primetime games, you're going to have to have more competitive teams in your conference. If not, you're going to be relegated to that 11 a.m. window because what there's there's three college football windows for the most part that that do well. Uh, obviously, we know about the 2:30 kick and the primetime kick. Well. 11 a.m. is is the other window, and if you can put a really good team there, a lot of people are going to watch that game when you've got a bunch of not bad football games but lesser-known teams that are playing. So it's just a, it's the nature of the conference that we're in, man. Yeah, and for the OU game in particular, OU-Nebraska game in particular, I think – Josie put that statement out there clearly to show the fans that he he acknowledges that all these 11 a.m. kickoffs at home suck. Like he, he understands it, and I think that was a big reason why he put that out there. But I also think with it being the 50th anniversary of the game of the century in 71, that they they were planning on doing some really cool stuff before that game. And all of a sudden what you're going to start some of the stuff at 8 a.m. That's just, that's just probably not very realistic. Now I'm sure there's going to be some cool stuff and there's even some whispers of a possible statue of some sort, which I, I can neither confirm nor deny what's going on with that. But those are some of the rumblings out there. But I, I think that, all the former OU players they got coming in for that game, and they got a bunch of former Nebraska players as well that were planning to come into that game. I think that's something that really pissed them off is because they were going to try to make this game have all the pageantry, all the pop and circumstance, and like really do it big. And it's just it's really hard to do that when the game kicks off at 11 a.m. You just you can't. Like a sideline shot of 
three or four well-known OU players or well-known Nebraska players standing on the sideline, it just doesn't even look the same on TV or have the same feeling at 11 a.m. You know, everyone's still, you know, wiping the sleep out of their eyes. So it's frustrating. I, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if they're – because it is still May – I wonder if they're going to continue to fight this battle or if it's just absolutely set in stone. Yeah. And uh, I think that because you mentioned blaming the big 12, remember this, this current TV deal, I believe it was negotiated back in like 2011, right? When I mean, 11 AM kickoffs other than OU Texas, OU Texas, like it, it's not a popular thing. Really, right. and I I don't think they foresaw, could have foreseen. I don't know what the right word or phrase is there, but that the 11 a.m. time slot would become such a big deal for Fox. So I think they redo it and here in a couple of years and those negotiations, I'm sure, will start pretty soon. But I got a feeling old Bob Bowlesby and the, uh, the presidents there of the Big 12 schools are going to try to build something in to uh to the new deal i always wonder stuff like this always makes me wonder what would happen if we just said we're kicking the game off at seven you can flip your tv your cameras on at 11 a.m and you might get some guys painting chalk lines out there but we're kicking the game off at seven and if you want to put it on tv you can bring your cameras and your crew at seven o'clock but that's what time the game's starting that's what our tickets are going to say on them that's when we're going to start letting people into the stadium we're having stuff with our recruits before that if you'd like to televise the game i suggest you uh get your crew ready at 7 p.m because that's when the game goes live and i just wonder what would happen and i know they'd be like there'd be a big fight about well if you breach the contract and everything but I just wonder, like, what, what, like, if you had that standoff, how it would go? Just a straight up mutiny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but I assume that would be a very short conversation where Fox goes, Hey, you're violating the contract. You will not be receiving any future payment. And since you violated the contract, we will get, we would like all the money that we gave you back. But here's the thing I understand that. But they want to cover OU games because it gets like you've got the product for them, you know. And I know there's a lot of other op- other options out there, but I, I don't know. It just it just frustrates That'd me. That'd be so funny. Yeah. No, we're uh, seven. We're going. We're going with seven. <laughs> the game game starts at seven. I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> the the big Ted. It seems like the big complaint from the fan base, other than it sucking for tailgating and all those things and getting into the game is difficult is a lot of fans are pissed about the recruiting implications of this whole thing. Right. And we, we've talked about it a lot, but it's nearly impossible for some recruits to make an 11 a.m. kickoff uh, when they're playing a game on Friday night, especially if the kid has to fly, if he's from a ways away, the, the logistics to get to Norman by 11 a.m. Just very difficult, but I also look at it and I mean, Fox puts Ohio state on quite a bit at 11 AM and they seem to be recruiting 
pretty well. They they seem to be able to, to figure it out. And I know Columbus is a lot bigger than Norman, but I I'm starting to wonder with how recruiting has changed and with how it feels more like a business for kids and with name, image, and likeness coming into play now and with kids, you know, becoming so focused as sophomores, juniors in high school on getting to the league. Like how much does going to a game and feeling that raucous atmosphere and feeling the energy, like how much does that even matter anymore to recruits? Like how, how big of a piece of recruitment is that now? Because I, I, and I could be wrong. It feels like it's not as important as it used to be for some reason. It's probably, I think there's like a, a sliding scale, you know, it's probably not as important for Alabama as it is for, you know, any team that's that's further down the the row, you know, the the further you get away from being a team that puts 10 guys into the first two rounds every year, the more all the other stuff matters, the more the campus life matters, the more the facilities and uniforms and what's the atmosphere like on game day. Those things start to matter more whenever you don't just have the pure numbers that are pouring guys into the NFL. So stuff like this probably matters more to Oklahoma than it does to Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. Now, is it the end-all, be-all? No, I don't think so, but it's it's something that they've got to use a little bit more. And, and you know, every player's different, too. You know, it may not matter to, you know, 80% of the guys that you've got offers out to that year, but, you know, 20% may may be down to you in another place. And if, if they catch the perfect night, the perfect crazy football game, like Dusty tells the story all the time about how he had committed to Texas A&M. I think he had committed to Texas A&M. And then he came to the OU Nebraska game in 2000 where we beat Nebraska and he flipped and committed to OU in the locker room right after the game because of how crazy it was. People stormed the field. It was like an insane atmosphere. And so it matters. It doesn't matter to everyone. No, but you just never know what recruit flips and what, what, or, or who's drawn to it because of a a atmosphere like that. And you played in that game. So, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you remember when it kicked off. It was 11 a.m. kick, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So the atmosphere can still be there at 11 a.m., man. Yeah. I mean, it can't. I, I know it's. I know it's not ideal, but it it it, it can be there. And when when you think a little about bit recru- different this time, <laughs> yeah, a bit, they, a bit different. It'd be nice if Nebraska was good and they didn't I suck mean, because that was like number one versus number two. But the the students were camping out from like Tuesday morning at the at the ticket office to see who could get in line to get their tickets and stuff. It was crazy. I was there, loudest game, and I I, I was at the jumping around game in 08. I still think. I remember as a little kid being like, is this stadium gonna like, are we in trouble here? <laughs> Things shaking, like shake it a lot. It's weird that, and I'm, 
it, it's it's probably like this at some places, but I think because of all the information you get these days, it's a little bit different. But I campus was a circus for a week, man. The it was it was a total circus. There was so many like there's Nebraska people there that showed up a week early. I remember all the RVs from the Nebraska people. I was like, what it, are what are these people doing? It was crazy. It, it was it was a total circus for a week. It was it was fun. Yeah, if only Nebraska was a little better right now. But I, I'm I'm sure it'll be great. It's just it's just weird to think about how you know what what matters in recruiting now. Is it that atmosphere or is OU being featured on big noon kickoff? Like, is, is that more important? Or it's clearly a balance of all those things, but it's just, it's just interesting. And, and people, for the most part, seemed genuinely pissed. So for our call your shot question, we basically just put it out there. Okay, what was your reaction when the 11 a.m. kickoff was announced for OU Nebraska? Uh, this one comes from Jayton Carey, who says, I hate it. We don't have many quality games at home, so these non-conference games are our chance to have a big game atmosphere. That's a good point, but once again, I, I think that there can still be a big game atmosphere for this game if the fans just pretend like Nebraska's good. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I, I've... Like talking about the 2000 game, it was a big game atmosphere. It was great during the game, and I can tell you from experience that that big game atmosphere lasted into the wee hours of the morning, even though it was 11 a.m. kick. Okay, so the festivities can continue afterwards. Yes, so uh, they can they can destroy the Cornhuskers, and then we can all have a lot of fun. Right. I will say this though. It is true that aside from like maybe being a benefit for the players, being able to get up and get the thing on and and play it right away instead of waiting all day, I can't think of one other positive about it. It's a negative across the board for the fans, for recruiting, for the local merchants. I mean, if you've got a OU Nebraska game with a ton of, out of town folks coming in, they're they're eating and staying in hotels and um, just pouring a ton of money into the local community. When it's an 11 a.m. kick, you don't get nearly as much of that. A lot of people don't even end up staying in Norman. Even if you're driving from Nebraska, you probably don't stay in Norman. You may stay in Friday night, but you're out and you're probably going to stay in another place, maybe in between uh, Norman and Lincoln or wherever you're coming from. If it's a night game, a lot of people are staying two nights into the weekend, eating breakfast the next morning. It just, you end up spending so much more money in, in the local community. You're, you're missing the one other positive. That's for us. Yeah. I didn't want to say that. I it, we can't lie to these people. I mean, it's it's so much better for you and I when the game's at eleven. We're in, we're out, we get home, we're on the couch drinking beers for the night games. It's pretty great. Well, that is the let's I guess that is one other positive is if you're not playing in prime time, you get to see whatever the big prime time game is and you get to watch it. Uh but let's be honest, if you're playing an eleven AM kick, uh 
and you did it right, which means Bloody Mary's at 7 a.m., you should be passed out by the time the primetime game comes on. Yeah, one other response comes from Marshall Jordan at OU Bozfan23. So I'm guessing that his favorite linebacker in OU history is Teddy Lehman, if I had to guess. If I, if I had to guess. So. <laughs> but he says reunion games like this with so much history should be played under the lights. More bothersome, though, is that this is a huge recruiting weekend. I imagine it's hard for high school guys to play Friday night and fly into Norman for 11 a.m. games. Yeah, there, there's no doubt, Marshall, that this is – it's it's not great for recruiting, and I think everyone was hoping that this game, you know, being the 50th anniversary uh, of one of the better college football games ever, that this game was going to get all the attention it deserved. But uh, let's be real. When it was scheduled, we were hoping Nebraska would be rolling. And they're just not. And that 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 has something to do with this as well. It's just no, Nebraska is not where that program was hoping to be. And as a result of it, this game is not as – I know it's weird to say this because Fox is making it its featured game, right? But this game just isn't as important as we thought it was going to be. Yeah. You, you know what OU should do? They should uh, – so I went to Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z at the Rose Bowl. And this is long – this is like 2010 or something like that. And the concert was supposed to start at like – I think like 8 o'clock, 7, 7.30 or 8. And they went on at like midnight – so for like the three or four hours before that, and everyone was there, the place was totally packed. They just had a DJ playing music that was out there in the middle of the Rose Bowl. And it was an absolute party in the Rose Bowl for like three or four hours before the concert started. They should just do something like that after the game. Like have something going at the stadium after the game even though recruits may be late getting in, some kids may not be able to get there for kickoff, get there a little bit later. You still have something going on and campus is still like buzzing and there's still a, a, a big atmosphere. Instead of everyone just jumping in their cars and bolting out of town, you should keep the action going somehow. Uh, some, some may say that discussions between the university and the city of Norman have uh, have taken place for... I thought you were going to say discussions between uh, OU and Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z have started to take place. That would be interesting. <laughs> I, I yeah. mean, you, you talk about something to keep people around. That would... that I, I'm not sure it's, it's quite at that level, but it, it does sound like they're going to try to make the best Do of something. this situation. Yeah. So, which should be no surprise. Uh, I think it's clear that Joe Castiglione, Lincoln Riley, leadership there at Oklahoma. Want to make the fans happy. Uh, want something exciting for recruits for that game. And it, kicking off at 11 a.m. is not ideal, but we'll see what they come up with. Okay, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything 
is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. First Fidelity Bank donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, Ted, for the National College Football Roundup, there, there are a lot of betting lines coming out. So this is kind of a, a roundup, uh, wet the beak combo. DraftKings put out some win totals. Uh, you can clearly bet the over or the under on these win totals. And here are the ones they put out for the big 12 conference. OU leads things, right? They set the win total at 11. Iowa state nine and a half, Texas eight, Oklahoma state seven and a half, TCU seven, West Virginia, six and a half, Kansas state five and a half, Baylor five and a half, and Texas Tech, four and a half. And our friends, the Kansas Jayhawks, win total over under one, a single win for the Jayhawks. So I was looking at a lot of these. And one thing I focused on was the non-conference. And let's start with OU, Ted, because they clearly have the highest expectations. But I, I think one of the reasons that 11 feels like a very safe bet is because of the non-conference schedule. You, know, you look at Tulane, which, by the way, kind of slid under radar that that one was scheduled for 11 a.m. on ABC. Uh, yeah, people. which I think everyone may be happy about that one. Uh, yeah, everyone, everyone was like, okay, yeah, that sounds, that yeah, sounds that good. Unless sense. you're going, God, how dare you unless you're going to that game and you're going out in New Orleans on Friday night to get, that, get to the 11 a.m. kickoff. Ooh, yikes. I don't know, though. I, I guess by the end of that game, it's going to be a sauna. But if you kick at 2.30, and I, I don't even know that it matters if you kick at night whenever the sun's down, but that's going to be a hot football game. Yeah, so for OU, you, you look at the non-conference with Tulane, uh, was it West Carolina and Nebraska, and you go, okay, yeah, 3-0 and there. So uh, the discussion really – comes down to do you think they'll win eight conference games eight of the nine and that seems like a very safe assumption right now now i think 11 is the perfect number right because if they bet the under yeah it, it feels like the under would be the logical play because it's really hard to go undefeated i mean it just really is i haven't done it since 2004 and in you know, gone uh, undefeated in the regular season. And it's just, it's, there's been a lot of good teams come through here since then. Um, a lot of teams that I'd say 
probably all around quite a bit better than this team, at least as of looking at them right now. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they run the schedule, but it does seem like we're going to drop one at some point to somebody, whether it's a, a OU Texas in a rivalry game, hosting Iowa State here at home who's played us really close, or at Kansas State, which for some reason we can't beat that team right now. Um, I would bet the under, and you know, worst case scenario is you get the push at 11. I guess the worst case scenario is they go undefeated, but seems maybe unlikely. But I, I, I'm with you. If I was to pick, if you asked me what their record would be, I'd say 11 and one at the end of the year. Yeah. And if you're, if you're 11 and one, then you're in the Big 12 championship game and you're probably going to win it and you're probably going to go to college football playoff. But that, that 11, that's a big number. I mean, it just is. So Iowa State's nine and a half is very interesting. When's the last time they won 10 games? Probably never. Have they ever won 10 games? I don't know. I, I So that's basically for Iowa State, you're going, okay, do you think they'll have the best season they've ever had? And I well, think it's yeah. safe to assume they will, but that that week two game against Iowa, that's the one where I don't want to say it's going to make or break their season, but they get Iowa at home, 230, ABC. They have to win that game. They have to win that game. Well, um, we talked about this on the show not too long ago, and it has a feeling of, uh, and and my co-host said this, that he thinks it's going to be like the, OU Texas in 2000 game. Uh, you got you got this rivalry game. You haven't been able to really get over the hump as a program in a while, and and I know it doesn't have near the history, and it's a lopsided series. But it has a feeling that like if Iowa State wins it this year, they're going to just absolutely drum Iowa, like they're going to show up and just pound them. So I think that that could happen, but. They haven't been able to beat them. They've got a mental block there, and you're right. If they can't get that one, it everything else the rest of the year is kind of in question. Yeah, they they get Oklahoma State in Texas, both in Ames, but they've got to go to Norman. So I I think when you look at their non-conference, Northern Iowa, Iowa, and at UNLV, they can definitely go three and zero, and I I think that. Seven and two is very doable in the Big 12 if they stay healthy. Uh, I, I just I just don't think I would bet on that because I would want to see what happens in the Iowa game first. Like I, yeah. I think if they win that game, they're going to give OU a really tough run for the Big 12 championship. But if they lose that game, maybe it all falls apart. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. They have been, and it's tough to, to get a team like that that's been historically god-awful to, to learn how to win, right? There's, there's some games where you just have to learn how to win. You're not always going to show up with your, your best on every, on every weekend, but teams that know how to win, expect to win, they usually find a way to, to pull a lot of those games off. 
if I had to bet it, I'd bet the over. I think Iowa State is going to be an 11-1 football team, just like Oklahoma is going to be an 11-1 football team going into the um, the Big 12 championship game. So yeah. if I had to do it, that's what I would bet. Because this is, this is going to be – and it's not even close. There's not even another team that you can put in the same stratosphere for Iowa State. This will be their best football team that that university has ever had in the entire history of the program by a large stretch. Right. The closest team would be last year's team, I guess. Yeah. I, that That's a good point. So that's a big number. It's a, it's interesting it seeing nine and a half next to Iowa state, but I mean, the expectations are what they are. I just, I can't stop thinking about what happens if they lose that Iowa game again. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Texas, their win total is eight, which I feel like is a really good number. And the thing about the Texas schedule is, and they got a they got a sneaky tough non conference schedule. I mean, they, they really do. do. You you look starting the year with a Louisiana team that basically has their entire team back because of the whole super senior thing. Billy Napier, a hell of a football coach. Now, luckily they get them in Austin, but I, I was, I was talking with some people the other day. They were talking about, okay, what, what, uh, what opening week game, you know, or early season game, the first, you know, week zero and week one, do you think has the biggest implications? And people are talking about what Georgia Clemson, all those ones. I was like, guys, can you imagine what would happen if Texas lost to Louisiana? And they're like, oh my gosh, when you when you talk about the significance for a program and setting a tone for the season, that's right up there at the top of the list for me, Ted, is the Longhorns playing Louisiana. Yeah, and all we have to do is look back to last year opening weekend and see Louisiana handily beat the team that ended up in the Big 12 championship game last year. So – I mean, they are, they've got way more talent than you would expect. And like you said, they're coached really well. Now, I think Texas is going to win that game because last year, I, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Iowa State, it, was just, it wasn't a regular buildup to a season. Uh, virus stuff was going on. Guys were missing. And, you know, I know everyone dealt with that. It was just a weird start to the year. It should be a more traditional start. Texas has had a spring practice, which is which is normal, and they're going to have a normal camp. So I think Texas will win, but it would not shock me if they're right down to the wire in a game and somehow lose it with Louisiana. And that's not even the most difficult non-conference game that they've got. I know. That's, that's why everyone's talking about that opener against Louisiana. Going to Arkansas after that game the next week, is a very dangerous situation for Sarkeesian. Arkansas is a buzzsaw, man. They they are a team that is the record over the last couple of years looks terrible. You look at Arkansas, it's like oh they've they've been the doormat of the SEC uh, for for several years now, not really getting our attention. But that team's got some good players on it. There's some athletes there. They're coached well. 
and they played a bunch of really good teams really tough last year, and I think they're on the verge of being a pretty good team. Now, no, I'm with you. Looking at – so, for Texas with the eight, would you take the over or the under? I I think that number is, is really good. If I had to, I'd take the under because – I. It, Without knowing what their quarterback's going to look like, it's it's really hard to to say that they're going to win a bunch of games. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think eight is what they're going to end up with. And it, it's crazy to think of because Adam Rittenberger ha- had an article for ESPN talking about which was the better job, OU or Texas. And basically every category was like Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. And if you haven't seen it, go read it on ESPN.com. But it was it was because uh, I was thinking about the expectations for Texas season. I was like, man, if they win eight and four, that would be that'd be a pretty good first year for Sark. Like, I think there'd be some fans that would be encouraged. And then I was thinking, I was like, oh my god, could you imagine if OU went eight and four this season? It the, it would be like the world was ending. Man, that's the difference between the programs right now. Yeah, and I, I read something recently, and I I got about a paragraph in and the writer said that Texas has one of the best pedigrees in all of college football. And I just stopped. I was like, I cannot take the article seriously after that statement. Everything that you say from this point on is tainted. So I'm just going to uh, opt out. Yeah, yeah. It's that, that tells the story right there. Yeah. So uh, looking at these other win totals, you got Oklahoma state seven and a half TCU seven uh, West Virginia, six and a half. Baylor, five and a half. Any of these other ones kind of stand out to you? I will say this. If I had to bet on one of these, if I was like, okay, if someone was like, hey, you have to put money on one Big 12 team, I'm taking Kansas and I'm taking the over. Because well, I know, <laughs> I know at the very least, I'm getting a push because they're going to beat South Dakota. This is not South Dakota State. This is South Dakota. We watched that. We watched them up close and personal in Norman not too long ago, right? That that team's not beating an FBS team. Let's be real. I don't care how bad Kansas is, but I am a Lance Leipold believer. I think they hired the best guy they could hire. And the new AD at Kansas, Travis Goff, I thought that was a home run hired. And I've talked to Leipold since he took that job, he is all football all the time. He's got a couple really good players from Buffalo following him to Kansas. So they're going to be able to help these guys understand what he's all about, but you know, they're getting the one win. So it comes down to, can they beat coastal Carolina on the road? Probably not. The fancy chickens have like 20 starters back. I mean, they're that, going to be killed a, in that game. That's, that's going to be a really good football team. They got to go to Duke. I, I don't know, but can they knock someone off in conference play? Like, can there be one huge upset? Why not? I, I mean, why not? If I had to put money on that, that's one where I was like, I know I'm getting the one win. So let's go with the over and see what happens, man. Yeah, I, I refuse to – You're everything you say is sound, and but – you start off by saying, you know, they're going to beat South Dakota. And I just, with Kansas, I don't know that we know anything. 
it, it everything is within reach on the bad end for Kansas, I think. But you're probably right, so you, you're guaranteed to push. You're going to know if you got the push or not with that, that win total in the first game of the season. How about that? How weird is that? A season win total, and you'll know game one whether you're going to win it or not. Or That's what or makes push. me feel good about putting <laughs> money on it, you know? The one, I if I had to put money on something, and I would willingly, is Baylor at five and a half. I would bet the over with Baylor at five and a half. I think they win all three of their non-conference games. And you look at Baylor and you say, well, this is a team that was two and seven last year. They beat Kansas and they beat Kansas State. But it's not, it's not an honest view of their football team. They had, had a new coach that got no spring, got no offseason, was decimated. Baylor University put them through the ringer the entire year with the COVID protocols. They had it more difficult than anyone else. Um, it, it was just a brutal year for them. And still, and I know they were two and seven, but they played a two over game, two overtime game at West Virginia. We know West Virginia was a really good team last year, best defense uh, in the conference and in the country statistically. Um, they played Oklahoma. It was 27-14, but that was a tight game all the way through. Lost by one to Tech. Lost by uh, 38-31 at Iowa State, who's in the Big 12 Championship last year. Played a bunch of really close football games. They're going to win all three of their non-con games easy, and I think they're going to be a, a solid, solid football team in the Big 12. They'll probably win uh, four or five Big 12 games, in my opinion. Yeah, they've got Texas State, Texas Southern, and then later in the year, I believe it's their homecoming, to they get BYU, who lost a whole lot more than just Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, they lost a ton on both sides. So, different BYU team next year for sure. Yeah, so uh, that is an interesting one. And the Oklahoma State seven and a half is interesting, right? Missouri State, Tulsa, but then they go to Boise in the non-con. That's uh, that's also an interesting one. Yeah. Okay, let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And make sure you connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE 
or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Okay, Teddy, as always, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I thought about going with um, Helio Castroneves, who won the Indy 500 for the uh, fourth time. That was a really cool event. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did see that they had like 130, 140,000 people there. Uh, looked like it was really cool. Won the race in the last two laps. Um, never been a big Indy 500 guy, but seeing the end of that one, it was pretty exciting. Thought about going there, but shockingly, Gabe. He, he, climbed, he climbed the fence. His, his fence climbing technique was pretty impressive. I was like, look at that guy get up there. Little guy just scampering on up the fence. You got to be careful with stuff like that because you can really take a great moment where you won your fourth uh, Indianapolis 500 and turn it into like a, a, a meme where you fall off the fence or do something <laughs> stupid. So you just got to be careful there. But uh, luckily he didn't. But shockingly, Gabe, I settled on going with the OU softball team. Um, sweep Washington. They're into the, the World Series. They're amazing. They're fun to watch. It's fantastic. And uh, I can't wait to get this thing rolling. You know, somehow it's amazing. Whenever you look at the field for this College World Series, it's going to be great. You've got UCLA, who's always been there, Florida State, Arizona, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma State makes it. Oklahoma and James Madison. That is like, they stick out like a sore thumb in that group of names, don't they? James Madison makes it. So uh, OU's got James Madison on Thursday. Uh, they continue to cruise, but it's about to get way more difficult. I know Washington had a good team. I know Wichita State had a good team. But the uh, the level of play is about to be you know, really taking up a notch here and I can't wait for it. It's going to be fun. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for the event here in Oklahoma city. It is always so much fun to get out to hall of fame stadium and the vibes of the women's college world series are fantastic. And without it happening last year, I think softball fans are going to be going nuts. So have they given the okay yet on because I know the NCAA said you can go 100%. Has the venue, Oklahoma City, given the okay yet? I have not heard anything. Have you? No. And I feel like if something was announced, we would know about it. But You kind of got to do it pretty quickly to let everyone get their tickets. And Yeah, that's why it makes no sense. What You think it would have already been announced by now with kind of where we're at with the coronavirus stuff and, you know, having great numbers here in the state. I, I don't know, but I, I, we know people we probably could ask. That's probably yeah. what we should do. Well, yeah, I, and maybe they already announced it. I don't know, but I, I think it would be pretty, upsetting if the NCAA gives you the go-ahead to go 100%. The Dodgers downtown are going 100% and you don't do it. I'd be very surprised, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. 
Yeah, for sure. So, so we'll see. But I, I will say though, the longer they wait to make the announcement, the better it is for OU because you know everyone else won't be able to make travel arrangements. But you know the OU fans around here will be able to swoop up those tickets. There's no doubt, and they already have a bit of a home field advantage. But I wouldn't mind them. I wouldn't mind them having even more of a home field advantage. You know, so maybe maybe hold off, hold off for a few more days, but. Man, they whooped Washington, especially that they second did. game. What was it, 9-1? I thought Sale was great in the circle, yeah. too. That was good to see. It's just an avalanche. Once they get going and get momentum offensively, it, <laughs> there's there's no weakness in the lineup. So it never lets up at all. All the way through that entire batting order is like, 500 batting averages, tons of power, great base running. It just it never lets up, and once they dial into your pitcher, it's over. Yeah, I I really enjoy watching them run rule people. It's nice and stress free. Now I'm sure the the World Series will be a little more difficult than that, but uh, maybe not. That'd be nice. Okay, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Uh, Maxwell Friedman. Do you know who that is? Maxwell Friedman. Yeah. He sounds like a Duke of Yorkshire. I, I believe it's actually Maxwell Jacob Friedman, which I don't know who that is, but he got uh, blasted by a laptop by Chris Jericho in Urban Meyer's office there at the Jacksonville uh, facility. So, uh, and he got hit with a couple of footballs. He got wheeled uh, in a chair into a uh, a metal like handrail, handguard thing. It, so he got beat up in front of an NFL football coach on a pay-per-view. Uh, so he's the loser. But I will say that that whole thing was pretty cool. It was pretty funny that Urban Meyer handed Chris Jericho a laptop to smash this dude with. How about Charlie Strong? Throwing him the footballs, awesome football. to, to throw right at the guy. I so I, I was watching all those clips from AEW, and I, I I don't watch a ton of wrestling, but I know some people that are still very into wrestling, and it sounds like AEW is a really fun, entertaining product, and our man Jr. is doing that right. So yeah. I saw the one clip though. Did I? I swear I watched it last night. Did. At one point, did he staple a piece of paper to that guy's face? <laughs> did you see that? He like took I a stapler. That, sure. Yeah, it was like a little card. I, I forgot what the card said, but he, I mean, clearly it's entertainment. He probably didn't actually, but it was, it was hilarious. Oh man, that's funny. I, I the look on Urban Meyer's face whenever he rammed him in that with that um, that chair into that metal. Amy Irvin Meyer's like, I don't know what I signed up for, but he's going to kill this poor guy. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, and I will say this. I, we went to Monday night raw and we sat in the front row when I was playing for the bills, when they came to Buffalo and I've sat front row for a UFC fight as well. The wrestling was by far more fun and more entertaining. Like, I, I know some people are like, why do people watch this? Like, it's just entertaining. It, they do a great job, whether it's WWE or AEW. Like, these people know how to entertain you. And working Charlie Strong and Urban Meyer into that thing, right? And Tony Khan, who is one of the owners 
of the Jaguars also runs AEW. So like you knew they were going to do it big for that whole thing. I let they were going through all the offices. That was awesome. It was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I went to – when I was in Detroit, they hosted a WrestleMania, which is like the biggest oh, event of the year. Mama. And they had it there at Ford Field. It was awesome. And it was like a week-long circus of, of like – it was kind of like the Super Bowl. You know how you have the full week of like parties and, and stuff like that? It was pretty cool. Yeah, I bet. Okay. Guys, spring is here, and you know what that means. It is hard seltzer season, baby, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag them. Let them know. Okay, Ted, I thought about going with the L.A. Clippers for my winner of the week. Wow. What a 180 you pulled. And I just couldn't do it. I refused. I just couldn't do it. I, I, I've enjoyed cheering against them so much, but they seem to have figured some things out. They have tied the series with the Dallas Mavericks 2-2 and really put them on it, really put it on them in game four and – I know Luka Doncic maybe not fully healthy, dealing with some nerve thing in his neck. Doesn't sound very fun, but they just absolutely whooped the Mavs, and it feels like they have all the momentum now in that series. But if I chose them as my winner of the weekend, I would have to say nice stuff about them, and I refuse to do that. So my winner of the weekend is Trey Young. It just feels like he has taken another step as a player, we kind of always assume that great players will be good in the playoffs, right? But there, there was a lot of discussion about whether or not Trey would be able to handle the physicality of the playoffs, whether he'd be able to handle teams hunting him in the pick and roll uh, defensively. And he's handled it very well. People that thought he wasn't, Sound what wasn't going to handle it well sound like complete idiots right now because he has taken his game to another level in these first four games of the playoffs. He had 27 and nine and only two turnovers in Atlanta's game four win over the Knicks. And all of a sudden, you look up to and he's averaging 25 and 10 through his first four playoff games, and ESPN put it out there. The only other guys to do that are Steph Curry, Kevin Johnson, and Oscar Robertson. So Trey Young's playing really, really well. And maybe the most impressive thing and maybe the most important thing is his teammates are playing well and he's getting them involved and he's recognizing when John Collins is hot and he's getting him to the basketball. He's recognized when Bogdanovich is getting things going, uh, Gallinari, it, it doesn't matter. He's doing a really good job of distributing the ball. He's playing defense at a higher level than I think a lot of people thought he would. And he's scoring. I mean, he's doing what he does when it comes from a scoring standpoint. And the Knicks really don't have an answer for him. So he's done a great job of running the show for Atlanta. I've been really, really impressed. Now, we'll see if they can close it out in game five in Madison Square Garden where – uh, Trey Young has become 
a a very uh, he has become a target for the for the MSG faithful. But this series, it feels like it's over to me. Even if they don't win that game, uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna close things out in Atlanta. And I just feel like a lot of people doubted him coming into this series. And man, has he proven those people wrong? I think the most impressive stat there is the 27 points, nine assists, but only two turnovers because that's the thing. Playoff basketball, you know, everyone, the physicality typically does ramp up, especially in, in the second half, whenever you've got a close game. And, and a lot of times the, the games just grind to a possession by possession affair. Um, it's a little bit different. It's been more uh, up-tempo in recent years, but the, the efficiency is key. And if they get past the Knicks, and as it gets more difficult, that's going to be a key factor is can he continue the production without turning the basketball over? If he can, that's going to be, that's going to be huge. And I'm with you. He's been fantastic, man. He's, he's – uh, I had shockingly – I had high expectations for him going to the NBA. Just felt like it suited him better than college basketball. And he's by far exceeded my expectations this quick. I mean, he's come along so fast. Yeah, and in, just in this series in particular, going into it, people are like, oh, Julius Randle, he's built for the playoffs, right? Strong, physical dude. Likes to operate in the half court. You know, get go through guys. Like, he's going to thrive in the playoffs. Well, he's really struggled and Trey young has been fantastic. So what the hell do we know? Right. I mean, right. it's, and it, it's fun seeing Trey talking trash, like him and Taj Gibson for going at it. I was like, wait, what's going on here? But I mean, he seems like he's having a lot of fun and he's playing really well. So it's yeah, always Taj Gibson was in the league whenever Trey young was playing like fifth grade basketball. He, he probably calls Tosh Gibson gramps and that's what gets him so mad <laughs> pops, but it, it's been, it's been fun and playing is a fun team to watch. So it, I, I don't know how it's going to end up, you know, move a, after this series for him, but man, it's, it's been fun to watch Trey young have this success. It's always fun to watch the former OU guys, but also just improving guys wrong. I'm, I'm usually a fan of those stories. Okay. For my loser of the weekend, Ted thought about going with the secondaries in the NFC West. Diana Rossini puts it out there that the Seahawks have talked to the Atlanta Falcons about trading for Julio Jones, that Julio Jones has been in touch with Russell Wilson. I mean, could you imagine Julio Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in that receiving core? I mean, yikes. Whoa. You better have some guys that can cover, buddy, because it's going to be a long, long day of one-on-one. Because you're going to have, you're going to either have Metcalf taking the top off and, the, and clearing the safeties. You're going to have Lockett taking the top off, clearing the safeties, and someone's going to be left one-on-one, no one over the top with Julio Jones. It's whew, that would be that'd be unreal. I also thought about going with. The Boston Celtics fan that threw the water bottle at Kyrie Irving after the Nets after the Nets beat them down. I mean, what a moron! He got arrested and is banned 
from the Garden for Life. I I hope throwing the water bottle was worth it, man. And I I will say this: there's always been bad fans, right? There's always scummy people in the crowd, and I just think that you know people are like, have people forgot how to act? You know, since not going, since they weren't allowed to go to games for a year and a half, and we had the popcorn thing with Westbrook, we had. Trey Young getting spit on at Madison Square Garden. You know, there was a thing with John Morant's family in Utah, which is probably the worst out of all of them, you know, saying racist things to a guy's family. But it is Utah, so I I, I wasn't exactly shocked. But I I just think it's it's a little much to be like, okay, fans are out of control when it's one person out of, 17,000 or whatever it was. Now, you can't throw stuff at the players. You can't say racist thing to the players or their families. Like you, you have to be a civilized person. You have to know where the line is. But I heard Shaq and Charles Barkley talking about it on Inside the NBA after the game. And they're like, oh, no, uh, there's always been bad fans. Like this stuff happened to us. It's going to keep happening. Sure. Yeah. It, it's, I, I think one of the things some people now just is, suck. Yeah. That's true, and that's always going to be the case. That will never change. So you don't have to go that far back to to remember the malice at the palace, to um, remember what the um, Philly fans throwing snowballs and in you know with the it, it's just it's always been a thing and it always will be a thing. I think nowadays it's obviously easier to. Speak spotlight it and to find it and because of social media everyone sees it quicker like whenever you see an idiot fan throw a water ball at a guy not very long ago you had to either watch the game to see it or you had to watch maybe sports center afterwards if they put it on like the not top 10 or something like that to see it or even know that it happened now it happens and it's instantly on all social media. There's quick little videos of it and everyone knows about it. So things that have always happened are now inflamed and seem to be way more prevalent when in all honesty, it probably happens less than it ever has. Right. Yeah. I, and I think, cause there is this notion that people are doing this stuff for attention, right? Doing it for likes, retweets, all those things. But I, I don't know if getting arrested and getting banned for life is worth the likes of retweet. So I, I yeah. some people just get crazy. Like sports makes some people crazy. And there are some bad people that are in the, that are in the stands. I, I, I clearly think that it, it's, I mean, you just can't do that stuff. It's just so stupid, but I, I don't think that people are doing it for attention. I just think that, People are, there's people that suck. There's just bad people. Yep. And it's going to continue to be that way. It will. And, and they'll keep banning people for life. And uh, all these people are like, the NBA needs to do more. Like, what are they supposed to do? Not serve water bottles at the games anymore? Like, what else could they do? I don't know. I, you know, I guess here's the thing. He got hit with a water bottle. He's going to be okay. You know, he's, he's going to be okay. There's far worse things that can happen. The guy's banned for life. He got arrested. I, 
what else what else can you do to the person right it, i i know like there's worse things that can happen that doesn't change the fact that it shouldn't happen right right like the guy the guy you 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 shouldn't treat the players like that you shouldn't treat anybody like that you shouldn't throw water bottles at other people it's just not something you should do but i feel like a lot of people are coming after the league like they need to protect the players more I don't know what else they can do. Like really, like how how are they supposed to prevent someone from pouring popcorn on a guy as he's walking through the tunnel? Like that that is a situation where that's on that person for being terrible. Right. And and I know some people have brought up kind of the European soccer comparison where you know if they've had some of those racist chants, those racist situations where they don't let fans come for a couple games. Like but that would never work in America. Like the, the uproar would just be, I mean, it'd be insane. So, well, and, and the two situations are totally different. If you, if every fan, I guess I can't say every, if a big enough group of fans like doing a, a chant at a soccer game, if there was that many that were raining water bottles down onto the players, okay. Maybe we can talk about something and not putting fans in there and and punishing them a little bit. But we're talking about one person. You want to keep, you want to ban fans from the playoffs in New York. When's the last time they've been to the playoffs? Because one fan threw a, um, I guess it's not uh, New York, it's in Boston. But you want to ban fans in the playoffs because a guy threw a water bottle? No. You arrest him, you kick him out, tell him he can't ever come back. That's all you can do. Just a reminder, I do think if if a fan throws a water bottle at you and you're a player, you should get to go in the stands and fight him. No, no, no punishment. And, and this is you've heard I've told the story about two a days and fighting and how you eliminate fighting is by punishing everyone that breaks them up. Let the two guys fight. And no one runs out there. You just let the guys fight. Jack Del Rio did this when I was in Jacksonville. And no more fights in training camp, okay? Shocker, right? After that, no more fights. He's like, I'm finding any coach, any player that touches them, you're fined. If they start to fight, let them fight. And no one else, it never happened again. So it's the same thing. If you just escort the guy down to the floor, and let the player go to work, then you'll never have it won't happen again. That would be fun. But then you would have fans that like thought they were like MMA experts, like, I'm gonna throw this, I'm gonna show them free chance. I'm yeah. gonna see, see, show them what I got. Psychos. Well, but, the if the NBA player spots some cauliflower ear, he can opt out of the yes. fight. You know, we're good here. We're good. <laughs> Here's your water back. Here you go. Maybe the fans should just fight him. I mean, I, the, they're already snitching. Like, you see everyone, like, pointing at who did it now, which I, I, I enjoy. But maybe the fans should just be able to beat them up with no repercussions as well. You know, violence is always the answer is what I'm saying. It is. When it's justified, it is. But my loser of the weekend is Anthony Davis because mm. he was already dealing with the knee issue and he has hurt something else. Tweaked the groin in the second quarter on Sunday against the Suns, never came back in. 
They say he's day-to-day, but I don't know, Ted. That dude looked like he was in a lot of pain when he went down. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's they've been, He's been banged up a bunch since he's been uh, in the league, and it seems like it's the, the number of issues he's had is growing and growing. But I guess sometimes you never know. Like, I would have thought – LeBron, whenever he went down with the shoulder, when Chris Paul blocked him out, like he was going to have to have total reconstruction, maybe a shoulder replacement, the way he was flopping and, and rolling around on the ground. So sometimes with basketball guys, it's hard to judge what exactly the injury is or how bad it is. So I don't know. I, it, I would say that it sounds like you're right, but we'll see. They're, they're not quite on the level of soccer players. But the the embellishment, the acting, it is it is a little much. But he never came back. And, I mean, when you look at it, you look at this series, I think this is the best series in the NBA playoffs. It's really competitive, high-level basketball. It's fun. There's stars. But with as great as LeBron is, I do not think there's any way in hell the Lakers can beat the Suns without Anthony Davis. And yeah. I, I feel like, with Anthony Davis limited or, you know, playing hurt or maybe not even playing at all. Who knows? We'll see what happens, but that puts a ton of pressure on LeBron James. And he, he said it after the game, his shoulders are built for it, all those things, but it's hard to give more than he's given right at the age he's at. I mean, it's just, it's really hard, puts a ton of pressure on him. And I feel like there's a bunch of pressure, on Anthony Davis as well. You're trying to defend a title. You know, you've been injury prone. People are talking about it and he wants to show he's tough, right? We just saw what Chris Paul did in game four. And you know, who knows really how bad Chris Paul's shoulder is, but after the game, he says that Monty Williams came up to him and was like, Hey, I'm sitting you. And he was like, hell no, you're not sitting me. What do you mean? Like, so you've got that story where Chris Paul's looking like a super tough guy and played by far his best game of the series and in that Suns win. But so you're, you're, you're trying to look tough too, and it's your groin and you're that big and you're already dealing with the knee and all these things. So I just feel like this is going to be the most dramatic series in the NBA playoffs in the first round. And Anthony Davis going down adds a lot of drama for me. No, it does. What do you think? How, what would you put it at right now? What do you think happens? I feel I feel good about the Suns winning it, right? I, I mean, what? Is it going to be Dennis Schroeder that steps up? He's played well. If Anthony I, Davis can't go, I mean, what? I'm supposed to think Kyle Kuzma all of a sudden is going to be the guy. Like, I, I don't know. Kuzma's kind of the guy they went with to start the third quarter with Anthony Davis, shuffled the lineup around. I, I just think it could be one of these years where the Lakers just have bad luck, right? Sometimes you just have bad injury luck, and yeah. that may be where they're at. Yeah. I, it, here's the thing, and you're right. Whether you look to Kuzma or do you look to Schroeder. Anthony Davis is like – he's a trump card. There's nothing else – there's no one else really like that in the league, and whenever you lose one of those – it totally levels the playing field when in this series, it's already been pretty level. 
and you take one of those type of guys out and it's going to be incredibly tough, but what two, two and they're, well, are they back in Phoenix now? Right? So they were in Phoenix. So they'll go back. How's it work now? It's two, two, one, one, one now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're back in Phoenix now. So they'll be back. Yeah. So yes, correct. Yeah. I hey, feel that I got to tell you, I would, I would kind of love it if the Lakers went out in the first round. But you're a huge LeBron guy. I can't believe you thought it. You know, it does. There is a little bit of, it takes some of the interest out of it if the villain loses in the first round, right? You know, it's. Well, we still got the Nets. They're uh they're taking care of business, so they're still they're still the villain team to cheer against. Oh God! Oh yeah, I'm cheering against them. Yeah, not for them. Me and you both. <laughs> not beautiful to watch, and we don't really enjoy it. Yeah, they suck. Boo, Nets. Kevin Durant. Don't like him. They're so good. It's so yeah. fun to watch. It is. It's fun to watch, man. They are legit. And on that note, episode 116 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more